Hey everybody, welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I am once again in the car, which is my favorite place apparently to do podcasts, so here we are. It is September 22nd, I believe. Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing, like, I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, okay, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate, I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbals and snare drum and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song. You're like, oh well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. When you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sad. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. You break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases. It's Saturday. It's uh, it sure seems like fall. Yet, yet two days ago it was like ninety degrees, but today it's probably sixty-five and sunny. So that's definitely a fall-feeling day to me. I love it. Um, yeah. So a little catch up here on what's been happening because I haven't been. It hasn't been as long as normal. I think it's been maybe two weeks since I did a podcast so that's not bad i wasn't reminded by anybody so so uh, maybe i'm starting a new habit i hope so because i know uh it's fun to talk and it's great to hear uh feedback from people after they've listened to the podcast and speaking of that i would just want to thank all of you for your support the podcast is growing the drum mantra programs are growing and uh i'll probably I might talk later about this if it just happens to enter my mind, but just the whole idea of having patience is such a, you know, the saying patience is a virtue. It is so difficult to realize that in the moment when you are working really hard at something. And, um, I think I, I think I'll, I'll try to remember to talk about that because it's definitely an experience that I have over and over in my life where I am frantically working and then watching the fruits of that labor come in at a slow but steady pace. It's very interesting. There's a lot of psychology in life. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to just catch everyone up on some things that I've been up to because uh, it's been kind of a pretty intense and fun, cool last two weeks, I believe. I'll try to remember everything because it's been a lot. But uh, uh, let's see here. Two two weeks ago, 
I flew down to Sarasota, Florida to do a performance at the Ringling Museum, which, by the way, if you're in that area, the Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, I don't, I don't know much more of the geography down there, but in that area of Florida, I highly recommend checking out the Ringling Museum. It is a beautiful campus, and I actually have not seen any of the collection yet, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I am looking forward to seeing it because I'll be there again in a couple weeks to do a different performance. But I was there two weeks ago to perform on Ezra Mosh's uh, light installation called Volumes. I know I've talked about it in a couple podcasts in the past, but now I've done it. I did it and it was awesome. I did not know what to expect, although I had seen pictures and I knew that... um, Antonio Sanchez had just played it. I think Brian Blade, I think Brian Blade did it a week before me, and then Antonio Sanchez did it two days before me. So um, it was very interesting. I was the last person to play it before the uh, before the exhibit was taken down, and there was a big. It, it was kind of an unfortunate situation in a way because it was the the final performance, and then there was a big. Um, reception for the final performance afterwards and the reception was supposed to be for Ezra who was the artist that created the installation and and they were going to celebrate Ezra well it just so happens that the day of that event it was um, Rosh Hashanah and it's a Jewish holiday and because of that Ezra was unable to attend his own party, which was a very big drag for him, I'm sure. I felt really bad about it. But uh, after the performance, I was sure to address the audience and tell them about my experience, which I will tell you guys as well in a minute. And I also kind of explained the installation and, and wanted to make sure that I could answer any questions that the that the guest had about the installation in... Uh, in Ezra's absence. So Ezra, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry I missed you and uh, congratulations on the amazing installation. It was an honor to be asked to play it and it was quite an experience and I'm going to talk about my experience right now. So you can see a video of my performance, a little edited minute long video of my performance, which was 20 minutes in total on my social media and you can see lots of pictures of the exhibit on Ezra's Instagram page. Um, so it was this black room, probably about 40 by 40, uh, super high ceilings. And the room was full of, um, lights that were hung from the ceiling. Kind of, they were suspended between the floor and the ceiling and each, each suspension of lights had five lights connected to it going from low to high and each row of lights was connected to a trigger on a drum set and I think there were 305 lights or something there were probably nine or ten rows of nine or ten deep um, something like that it's a really remarkable looking Installation. It looks so cool just walking in the room and seeing the lights. But um, so the lights were triggered by a drum set, 
And so you were able to play this light sculpture. And um, it was very interesting. When I, when I walked into the room and saw the room, I was like, this is going to be really awesome. And then um, I got a few minutes to try, try it out earlier in the day before my performance that evening. And after I tried it for a few minutes, I decided I didn't want to do any more because I wanted the newness and the, and the mystery to kind of still be there when I did my performance. And I, the reason I'm saying mystery is, and newness is because uh, it was very, it's very interesting. I think I said this in my, in my little talk presentation after the performance, but you know, the drums, the, the goal of, of being a drummer one of the goals of being any kind of musician really is the instrument becomes an extension of your own body. So, so the instrument is now the way that you are expressing yourself. So you're connected to it in a way that allows it to be a, a, a as, as close of a connection and extension as possible. And then all of a sudden, the lights are an extension of the drum set. So now the lights are an extension of the body, but they're not configured in, in a way that, you know, you, you spend, I've spent my whole life playing drums. So I know where the instruments are and I understand what they sound like. And I know what to, what to hit when I want to get a certain vibe or emotion out of the drums. Okay, sorry about that. You don't realize that I just had a phone call because it was instant, but I was just on the phone for about 10 minutes. Lots of moving parts when you have teenage daughters. Lots of different transportation situations. And man, oh man, never a dull moment. So uh, I think I was talking about the lights. So yeah, there was a the, the lights go from low to high with pitches, and then they also go from center of the room based on dynamics to the to the outer part of the room so i realized that if you play the drums very very lightly you could light up only the middle column of lights in the very center of the room and then if you hit the drums hard you could light up the entire row of lights across the the whole room so you kind of had this three-dimensional space you could go up could go up and down and you could go out and uh, that was a lot of fun but I also realized that if you just played a groove or just played a like a big loud drum solo the room was just going to be lit up the whole time so it became a lot of fun to kind of paint with light and sound and create different shapes and so it was very unintuitive as far as like your typical drumming might might go well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that. It was more um, what 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 you play is more based on how you want the lights to respond. So, to turn that into a musical statement, that was the fun challenge of it. Was you know trying to tell a story, make it musical, and then paint a picture at the same time, make it enjoyable for the for the listeners and the watchers because they're sitting in there for twenty minutes, which is a pretty long time when you're you know just playing drums so anyway i did the performance it was a whole lot of fun and um and the reception was very nice i got to meet the uh the uh executive director of the museum who was very cool and he's a drummer Stephen high he he's been the 
the director of several museums around the country. He's a, he's a definitely a heavy, a heavy hitter in that world. And he's responsible for, for building a couple different buildings on the museum campus since his, since his, uh, time there. I look forward to seeing him again in October, but, uh, yeah, so, so I guess I'll talk about the October thing real quick and then I'll go back into taking you through the last two weeks of my, of my life. So in October, and I've been talking about this as well, I'll go back to the Ringling Museum. They're celebrating, what they're doing is they're trying to, to bring awareness to the museum to get Arboretum status from some national registry. The, the grounds at the Ringling Museum are just beautiful. A lot of, um, what kind of trees were they? Banyan trees, I think they're called. Um, they kind of look like Bodhi, they kind of look like the tr- the trees in India. I can't, they're all skipping my mind right now. Plus, plus, uh, you know, really cool looking evergreen trees and palm trees and all the, all the amazing trees that grow in Florida and all the awesome Spanish mosses hanging from everything. Anyway, the grounds are, are just amazing. And so they're trying to bring awareness to the campus and get arboretum status for the campus. And, um, one of the ways to do that is the, the brainchild of Matthew Duvall, the, the multiple Grammy winning percussionist from the eighth Blackbird ensemble. Um, he had the idea to do concerts on the grounds, all around the grounds of the museum. So, so October 18th, 19th, 20th, I think maybe it's 19th, 20th, maybe it's two days. Um, a dozen percussionists are flying around in from around the country and they will be performing old pieces and new pieces. They'll be doing like Steve Reich's drumming on, um, on the grounds right in front of the right in front of the water it's beautiful yeah, the campus you should you should look up Ringling Museum and just look at pictures of the campus it's it's really spectacular but uh, you know they're doing there's another installation in a grove of banyan trees and there's another performance in a different area outside so they're doing all these percussion performances around the grounds on Friday and Saturday, and then Saturday night is the big fancy gala, which I did find out is available to the public. I think it's $75 to come to that portion of it, but at first I thought it was private. So good news is if you live in Florida in that area and you want to come, you can. And what you will come to see and experience is not only probably a buffet a fancy buffet and maybe even an open bar but you'll also get to experience the world premiere of an hour's worth of music that I have composed for 14 percussionists and uh, and then after my performance which will be about an hour long it will go into the headlining act of the Kraken Quartet which is a Austin based kind of percussion ensemble on steroids it's four people playing drums and percussion you know vibraphone stuff but there's like you know they'll put delay and distortion on the vibraphone and and play really weird instruments and kind of blend it with electronics as well they're very very cool i highly recommend checking out the kraken quartet if you want to hear some some kind of groove oriented interesting uh kind of rock band art rock percussion ensemble kind of stuff 
So anyway, we're playing. My my thing happens. It's called Drum Mantra Live, and then it goes into the Kraken Quartet. And one of the fun things is I was asked to write a piece that morphs from our set into their set, into their first song. So I found out what their first song is, and um, I wrote a piece based on their first song. And then as we finish our song, it actually blends right into the beginning of their show. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so that happens October 20th, and I'm just, uh, we're actually rehearsing some of the music. I didn't think we were going to have a rehearsal, but there are a few people in Chicago, so Matthew Duvall is gathering a group of people to at least rehearse some of the music. Um, so we're actually doing that on Tuesday, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up because I'm not going to talk about the future until anymore until I finish talking about the past. So um, after the Sarasota performance uh shana went down too. my wife and i went down and spent the spent two days down there drove up to st petersburg and went to the salvador dali museum in st petersburg which was really cool man that guy was amazing visionary with his art and then the incredible thing is if you don't know much about salvador dali um his paintings are remarkable and his concepts are incredible and the way he saw things, the way he, his, his artistic vision. But then there's another exhibit in, this, in the Dolly Museum of a photographer who photographed all the areas that Dolly lived in in Spain. And it is so nuts. The landscape of the area that he grew up in looks exactly like his paintings. It's super crazy to see these twisted trees and rocks and 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 rocks with holes in them and it's like when you just look at dolly's art you think oh my gosh that is so unique looking and then you see the landscape where he lived and you and you're like he almost it almost looks like he was just painting his natural surroundings it was it's really remarkable so i highly recommend that museum as well the dolly museum in st petersburg um, after the museum, we went and visited um, John Spinelli at Seminole Music in Seminole, Florida. It's a little cool little music store and uh, set up. I, I kind of presented my books to him, and we, we made a plan for me to do a drum clinic there when I go back in October. So um, I'll be doing my performance on the 20th at the Ringling, and then on the 23rd, Let's see, is this true? 20, 21, 22, on the 22nd, whatever that Monday is, I'll be doing a clinic at Seminole Music in Seminole, Florida at 6.30 p.m. So again, if you're in the area, it's a free clinic. I'm going to be talking about my drum mantra books and doing some demonstrations and uh, just a little discussion on the on the books and the concepts. So please come out if you're in that area and spread the word. It'd be great to have have some people there. Um, so that was two weeks ago and then, you know, a handful of gigs and writing projects and stuff. And then, um, and then five days later after that, I flew to New York to play a, a little kind of a concert, kind of a, kind of a party music thing for a reception for what turned out to be, um, this this panel for women entrepreneurs and the panel was the the president or the ceo of crate and barrel who's a, a woman from from 
England, I believe. And then Reese Witherspoon, the actress, also activist. And then the third woman, I can't remember her name. I think she was, I think she's Indian. She was a, a physicist turned fashion person. And anyway, there was, it was, you know, like this filmed thing of just asking, it was a panel discussion asking them questions about entrepreneurship and women in entrepreneurship. It was really awesome. It was really cool. So, um, I, I flew to New York to, to, to play the reception for that and then got to hang and it was a lot of fun. And then, um, that night after we performed, just two blocks away was at La Poisson Rouge in New York City was Kneebody. They are so good. If you haven't seen Kneebody, K-N-E-E-B-O-D-Y, you have to check them out. It is such good music and such great players. And really, I love I love the groove-oriented, kind of ostinato-oriented way that they do their music. And even the soloing is just, it's, it's just so good. I mean, they're really, they're really being artistic and, and, uh, super heavy. Nate Woods, the drummer. And, uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. So highly recommended. And we were very lucky because, you know, sometimes you have to go pretty far to, to catch something cool in New York. You never know where you're going to be. So we just walked two, literally two blocks and we were at the venue. It was awesome. Um, and then the next day in New York, I went to Steve Maxwell's drum shop and did a, uh, a little talk on my drum mantra books. The books are available at his shop in Illinois as well as in New York. And if you don't have my book and you live in New York, go get it from Steve Maxwell's shop. That would be awesome. So I went there and I talked to some people about the drum mantra and I wanted to make sure that the people who work at the shop understood how the books function so they would have a better uh, idea of how to recommend the book to different different players and stuff. So that was cool, but I was only in New York for like 36 hours, but got a lot done, I feel. Had plenty of New York-style pizza and came back, and that was just uh, t- like three days ago I got back. Um played a gig two nights ago went to my daughter's football game to watch her be a drum major last night and here I am in the car driving two days ago I got the wild this wild hair and decided that I wanted to put a create a, a book for my 3030 program the 3030 program is 30 lessons in 30 days. Each lesson is 30 minutes long. And so you sign up, it's a month long course and you just get a lesson every day and you're just supposed to develop the habit of practicing from playing 30 minute lessons every day for 30 days. And it's kind of supposed to train you to like expect to at least practice for 30 minutes of focused practice. And right now it's a video series and all the music examples are embedded into the videos. But I kept thinking it would be cool to have a book. Um, so two days ago, I'm like, yep, I'm going to do it. So I, I finished composing the piece that, that blends into the Kraken Quartet song. And I still have two more pieces to write before Tuesday. But I totally shifted gears and spent about 16 hours 
putting the 3030 book together and uh man that that book is 180 pages long it's kind of a kind of became a big book and i thought well yeah i mean if you're gonna have 15 hours of drum instruction 30 days of 30 minute lessons well it's going to take up a lot of a lot of space in a book so the 3030 book is going to be 180 pages long and i'm hoping to finish it man i hope i'm done writing the entire thing by sunday and it can go to the printer monday morning because the 3030 for the fall course it, the the 3030 comes out once a season and it begins october 1st if you're not signed up and you want to i highly recommend it it's a super cool course i've had people from all over the world doing it um registration opens on september 28th 29th and 30th and then the course begins october 1st you can find out more on that at drummantra3030.com so make sure you check that out again i highly recommend it you're in the course you're also on a Slack channel, which is basically a private, it's kind of like a private social media channel. It sort of feels like Facebook a little bit, where we can all communicate with each other and discuss the day's lessons and stuff. And I'm there, I'm on there a bunch, so you can ask me questions, and it's it's a lot of fun. I'm You're interacting with me a lot. And man, the, uh, the course is 129 bucks, and it's very worth it, 15 hours of my time at the least you have access to which is which is uh, a massive discount for having having me in person basically communicating with you when you need when you have questions so anyway check that out drummantra3030.com and the 3030 book is basically all the exercises in the course and I'm thinking that the book, I don't, I'm trying to decide how the book gets delivered to you, whether you get it before the course starts or you get it after you finish the course. Because the one thing about the course is I want it to be a surprise every day when the new lesson comes out. I don't want you to, to be able to work ahead and look ahead um, because there's a system and a structure to the lessons. And if I, if I give you the book at the beginning of the course, you're going to be tempted to turn the page beyond where you are. And then that kind of kills the whole excitement of and anticipation of the next lesson, the next lesson. So I think the book might be a, a reward for the, for finishing. Cause once you do the 30, 30 course, you have it forever. So you can go back and do it on your own with the book. So I think that's going to be the plan. And yes, it is retroactive. So the people who did the first 30, 30 course, will um receive a book when they're when they're done okay so that's that now i'll talk about the future um i'm i can't really say anything about my gig tonight but there are some guests that are going to be there that let me just put it this way i have to get past some pretty serious security tonight i'm not allowed to say anything i'm not allowed to post anything i'm not allowed to take any pictures and that i mean that that's true for everybody that's going to be at this event tonight um but uh you know 15 piece band five crew our, our normal normal thing will be playing an event with someone very very famous and very very 
important and very, very protected. I'll just put it that way. And, and someone I'm really excited to, to see in person. So that's tonight. Uh, and tomorrow I have my, my church gig at Bodie Spiritual Center in Chicago. If you're in Chicago and you want some like really great messages that basically just have to do with life and kind of getting your, your focus, your focus, right. Um, it's not, it's not churchy and it's not religiousy. It's more, it's more psychological and, um, social, sociological, I guess you would say, but, uh, super cool. Bodhi spiritual center on Sundays. That's where I am. And then um, Monday, this is very exciting. Well, I have a professional development workshop on Monday morning for uh, for Ravinia in preparation for helping teachers in the Chicago Public Schools integrate music into their curriculum. And we'll, we're going to do a professional development workshop for about five hours on Monday to, to to prepare for that. And then Monday night, this is this is an exciting one. Monday night is. Um, the Unknown News' fourth anniversary. We're going to be playing a concert at Fulton Street Collective Arts Collective in Chicago. It's the big band. It's the eight-piece band instead of the six-piece band. So instead of three guitars, we we have four guitars, and instead of drums and percussion, we have drums, percussion one, and percussion two, and then a bass player, which is Paul Mutzabal, the composer of the music and the leader of the band. Um, it's an amazing band with some sick, sick talent. If you're in Chicago and you want to see some incredible musicians play really amazing music, I highly recommend coming Monday to the Fulton Street Arts Collective on Hubbard Street in Chicago. We play two sets. I think we start at about 8.30. And uh, that's going to be very exciting. I play percussion in that band. And then Tuesday, this is super exciting for me, is the rehearsal for the Drum Mantra Live concert in Sarasota. So I will be bringing, this is the very first time I've ever had, well, that's not true. I, Elmhurst College has played a couple of my percussion ensemble pieces in the past. But this is the first time that like professional players are going to be playing an entire evening of my music. And it's a lot of music. It's a lot of work. The music is not easy. And uh, I'm nervous and I'm excited at the same time. I'm super excited to to hear and share this music with them and, and hear it. And, and I'm nervous that I don't, you know, I hope I didn't make any mistakes on the charts and stuff. Because fixing charts is almost harder than writing the music in the first place. When, when there are mistakes and you're catching them in rehearsals, you've got to make notes and go back and make sure you get everything fixed. And it's a lot of tedious detail, especially with these pieces that I've, that I've written. So I'm hoping for the best. I've double checked and tripled and quadruple checked the, the, the score and all the parts. And I'll probably check it again a couple times, um, before that, but that's going to be awesome. Super excited. This, this feels like a new chapter in my life. Um, one of my visions in the beginning of, when I started developing the drum mantra stuff and the drum mantra concept was, um, well, there was a bunch of, bunch of different little details about things that were in my vision. One was a, a documentary film about rhythm around the world called the drum mantra. And then another one was composing pieces that ensembles would play and I would go be the guest artist. And uh, that vision is coming into focus Tuesday. 
It's crazy. Ten, year, ten years of sort of intending it, and here it is. So there, there we go back to that thing I was saying about patience in the beginning of my little intro here. Patience. Ten years of holding a vision. Now, now mind you, I wasn't intently writing pieces for an ensemble to play because it just the timing wasn't right but I still held held the vision I still held on to the big picture of like that's that's definitely something I want to experience and you know little pieces of the puzzle sort of work their way to you and next thing you know I'm asked to create music for an ensemble for a concert and and so my energy goes hardcore into it and so I have a feeling that that's going to be a that, that seed that was planted is about to blossom and and uh, hopefully spread and grow and that becomes, uh, you know, hopefully it becomes a, a a very important and main focal point of of my whole life because I would really love to have, you know, a body of work that college percussion ensembles and maybe even my own professional ensemble could play and do do concerts and festivals and kind of get into a whole new new scene of of music based on my own stuff which is kind of been a goal in the back of my mind and and uh it looks like it's about time for it to start happening so super excited about that i'll probably film the rehearsal and put some little posts on instagram um yeah and then what else is happening well if you're on my mailing list richstitzelmusic.com you will be receiving a few emails from me next week in preparation for the 3030 because I'll be sending emails out um, getting people hyped up to join us in the course and again I highly recommend it Um, and then Friday I have the great gig with an amazing vibraphone player excuse me Stephen Leinard who is a jazz vibraphonist in town. We're playing a concert Friday evening. I think it's a public performance as well. Steven Leinard, L-Y-N-E-R-D. So if you're open Friday night, you're in the Chicago area and you want to come to a cool concert, it's a vibraphone, grand piano, electric bass, and drums. And we'll be playing some of Steve's original tunes and we'll be playing some kind of like hymns um, adapted for for basically jazz quartet very cool concert I did a concert with him in Iron River um, Upper Peninsula, Michigan about two months ago and we had a great time so that is Friday and that's probably plenty to talk about right now as far as what my schedule is all about so I think I want to talk about the concept that I started out with which was um finding the balance between hard work, being driven, being inspired and motivated, but also being patient. That's a very interesting combination. And and I've, I just realized that that's kind of been a, a main theme in my life. And it may be a main theme in your life. I haven't really talked to anybody about it to find out if it's something that everyone experiences. But I've always loved the idea of um, fast and slow at the same time. It's um, like, and you know, well, I just got a vision of 
where this came from with me. My very oldest memory, my very first memory of the idea of fast and slow or very intense with lots of patience kind of concept, kind of the dichotomy of energy expenditure and energy um, conservation at the same time. Very weird paradox there. But um, I remember when I was a kid, in fact, part of my memory probably comes from a photo that I remember seeing and then just remember the story more than the actual experience itself. Um, you know how you do that where you you remember a picture of yourself when you were a, a kid and you remember a little bit of the story about that picture, but you don't really remember the experience itself. And so here it is. When I was about five, maybe even four, five, somewhere around in there, um, I was, I remember being at my grandparents' house and I don't think I was a very wild, like crazy, energetic kid, especially compared to kids that I've seen that weren't me, (laughs) that are wild and crazy. But I definitely, you know, you're five years old, you've got a lot of movement in your body and you've got a lot of excitement for certain things, I guess. And I remember my grandfather challenged me to sit in a chair and sit still and he would pay me a quarter or something for like for every five minutes that I could just sit perfectly like not just not just sit quietly but sit perfectly still like not move a muscle and quiet and not giggling nothing like it was very serious my grandfather was very serious he was one of these people that when he walked into the room no matter what was going on everyone stopped their conversations to wait to see what he had to say and I, that was just an amazing thing to grow up with a, with a grand, I didn't see him all the time, but when we were around, the room could be, you know, full of life and two or three conversations going on. And my grandfather would literally walk into the room and everyone would stop what they were doing immediately and turn their attention to him and wait for him to say whatever it was that he was going to say. Um, he was... A remarkable human being. He, he was the founder of the International Association of Jazz Educators. He had a big band. There's a scholarship fund for him at the university or, or Kansas, Kansas State University. And he he was a heavy guy in jazz education. He he had a he had a plaque, well not plaque, but a you know a thing, a, a whatever you would call it, like a you know official document from Congress on his wall in his office that was uh, Congress in, I think in 1976 declared jazz America's art form and he was actually one of the people responsible for legitimizing and legalizing jazz education so he was an intense dude and but he was also a jazz musician so you know he was a very very good entrepreneur with a vision but then he was also an entertainer, and he was a big entertainer. He he had the number one dance band, Billboard magazine's number one uh, dance band in the country back in the, I guess it was probably in the mid-40s or something. A couple years in a row, I believe. Matt 
the Matt Betton Jazz Orchestra. Of course, no one's ever heard of him, <laughs> probably. But uh, yeah, it goes to show how big the population of of the country is and the world is like to have someone like Matt Betton, like who's ever heard that name be as big and kind of as famous as he was and still you know uh, there is certain definitely a certain generation of musician that knew who he was and any jazz educator in the in the country and probably in the world by the, when he was alive knew him but anyway um so he was very serious and and like he was also i think he was a quarter native american he might have even been a half native american indian um so he had a lot of like that that mysterious Native American blood in him, where he would, you know, we he had a cabin in Colorado, and we would go to it, and we had to learn things about nature, and and you know, learn how to walk quietly like an Indian, and and uh, all these kind of things that became really focal point for me. So when he challenged me to sit still for 20 for for a quarter for five minutes i there was not a bone in my body that saw it as a way for him to get me to quiet down or to calm down it was it was almost an honor to be asked by him to do that because i felt like i felt like i was worthy enough to be trained by the master kind of thing it was very strange i had a very strange childhood not strange in any way except the way that I saw the world um, because I think any other five-year-old would think they were getting in trouble if they were told to sit down and sit still but I looked at it as a as I was being honored um, but there was that experience that feeling that, that excitement as you're sitting there how long is the time pa- how you know how much time has passed how how still am I sitting is is everyone aware that I'm doing a good job? You know, those kinds of things are racing through your mind, but you're also sitting completely still. So there's a lot of energy going on inside, but there's not a lot of output happening. There's a lot of... So it's like... That's what I mean. It's like intense movement in one way, but on the in the other way, intense patience. And when you when you take those concepts those are those are concepts that are applicable to many situations but in my personal situations and you may either relate to it or be interested in in making this part of your life is um you know when you're working on it when you're learning an instrument you have to have massive patience but you also have to work really hard so you're like really pouring your energy into something but you're also staying very calm about it patience because nothing comes fast nothing good comes fast um you know i mean if we're talking about money and you're talking about earning money people that win the lottery it's not about the money is not the thing i mean you know money comes fast it's gonna go just as fast as it comes and if someone's basing their happiness on money that's 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 a totally fleeting thing so um, you know, when you're trying to apply that idea, you know, sometimes people who, the other, the other thing that this energy and patience thing is very relatable to is, um, entrepreneurship. It's, it's going into your own, um, creativity in hopes of, you know, turning it into a business. And, I, and, you know, 
there's a fine line of talking about art and business, and I don't know if I'll be talking about that today, but I may. But I also am getting pretty close to home, so I might not, because I usually like to do this during my drive, and as soon as I get home, I post it. So I'll I'll at least stick with the two things that I just started. So very important to have an intense work ethic when you're practicing an instrument and to be serious because one of the things and I'm just as guilty as the next person and I, I've trained myself very strongly to, to uh, be aware of this but when you get into the practice room and especially with social media too nowadays a lot of people are are trying to film themselves so they're filming themselves practicing hoping that they might capture something on film worthy of posting and hoping that then they're going to get likes and maybe they might get a like from a drum company and maybe they'll get an endorsement and all of a sudden the train has gone off the rails because of the mentality behind getting better on the instrument you know i always tell students when you practice it should not sound good if you as soon as something sounds good in the practice room you're just jamming so the the concept of practice is always working on something that you can't do and that is a hard task and that is a muscle you have to develop because working on something that you can't do can become very frustrating very quickly unless you've trained yourself to understand that process and to know that i'm going to work really hard on this today and i'm going to do it again tomorrow and i'm going to do it again tomorrow and then you know maybe eventually in two weeks, six weeks, it's happening. It's together. And, and things take time to develop, especially things that are, that are complex. I mean, we live in a world right now where we expect, we, 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 we see the end product of so many people. And so we want our end product to be there quick. And that's just not how things work people expect to have an idea and start a business and six months later they're a millionaire that's not how it works you have to really dedicate yourself to something and it's a lifetime journey and when you when you do that when you work hard because you're dedicated but you're also patient because you realize it's a lifetime journey that's when the rewards start to show up and that's where you start to notice your life taking shape based on the activities that you've dedicated yourself to. For instance, I've dedicated myself to practicing certain exercises in the drum mantra, and I've dedicated myself to to composing pieces of music with no intention beyond my own development. And because of that, finally hitting the critical mass of hey, the phone rings, and all of a sudden, I'm getting asked to write music for a professional music ensemble. That was not that was not the goal or the intention behind the energy that I put into each day's slow development of my playing and my writing abilities. So I really, I'm, I'm home now, and I actually have a, a worker that's ready, waiting to talk to me because he's going to do some work on my front porch. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, but um, I just want you to think about the idea of what is it that you really love? Why do you really love it? 
And do you dedicate yourself to it fully with full on energy with only expectation of improving? And do you have the patience to do it without the expectation that it needs to be that the reward needs to be right now? So think about those things. Send me some DMs. I love when I hear from everybody. Uh, Send me messages. Let me know how you feel about this or if you think about this at all. And if you want me to talk further on it, I will. Okay, thanks so much. Spread the word about the podcast. I really appreciate your support and listening. Make sure you're on my richstitzelmusic.com mailing list as well. So I can send you emails and uh, you know I send out free lessons and stuff from time to time. I'd love to share that with you. Besides that, I hope you have a great day. Happy practicing. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.